Yeah. Running back nation. Fire take nation. It is your guys, the two goats of Sixers YouTube content. Heavily requested collaborations. We're trying to do it every single Thursday for you right here, all off season to keep you entertained because that is exactly what the Philadelphia 76ers are doing for us. Flat out entertainment every single day. Run it back Philly, RB Philly take. We're going to get into some topics. Be active in the chat. Throw questions out there. Throw whatever you want to talk about out there. Uh, RB, what is going on, my dude? Hey, man, we made it back. We made it back for another week. We are here. Um, it's been an eventful week. That is for sure. It's the middle of the offseason, but a lot to talk about. You know, we're going to get into the whole James Harden debate. And me and DJ haven't really talked about this much. We want to talk about, you know, whether the Sixers are better off, worse off. What's going to happen? We got more Harden news today. So as he said, man, get active in the chat. Shout out to all the members out there. Shout out to the loyal subscribers, everybody tapping in with us. Get active. Leave your thoughts out. We know your head is spiraling like ours is. And uh, <laughs> how about last week, man? As soon as we got off the show, maybe we'll get to break some news here on this show one time. That would have been epic. As soon as we got off, like 30 minutes later, the Sixers signed Trez, man. That would have been amazing if that happened when we were on here. Yeah, that, that would have absolutely been amazing. Um, yeah, every single day there's a new Harden rumor. Harden wants to go. Daryl wants him to stay. The Sixers aren't going to trade him. Harden's like, yes, you are. They're, you know, there it's just, but now they're at now they're at an absolute standstill. And we're gonna we're gonna bring up the article, read the first part of it and everything, or the part of the article by Sam Amick that well, he was talking about what a source, what someone close to Harden told him. You know what I'm trying to say. Uh, but before we get into it, everybody make sure you hit the like button. That is how you grow YouTube channels. You hit the like button. It does so much for us. It pushes the streams through the algorithm. We started out with zero subscribers. We got to where we are literally by you guys commenting and hitting the like button. So thank you to continue to do that. Everybody hit the like button. And uh, yeah, here's the here's the article. Let me share my screen real quick. I thought I had it up here. Here it is right here. Um, boom. James Harden still wants out of this is this is funny to me because it's like they're arguing through the media, dude. That's where I, that's what I feel like. I feel like these days there's like Daryl has a source and he's like, tell him I said this. And then Harden's like, tell him I said this. Anyway, uh, Harden still wants out of Philadelphia and is determined to end up with the Clippers per Sam Amick. Harden's stance has not changed. A source close to him told the athletic he still wants to leave Philadelphia. He's still upset with how Maury handled his situation heading into possible free agency last month. And even with the recent revelation that Harden attended the same party as the Sixers, Joel Embiid and former Sixers owner Michael Rubin in Vegas, he's still determined to start next season in a Clippers jersey. First of all, I did not care about those photos at the Michael Rubin party. Uh, I know uh, some people thought that meant, look, they're going to run it back. No, what happened was, James Harden's not missing a big party. That's what happened. Celebrity party, rappers, probably strippers, uh, famous other actresses, whatever else. James Harden's going to be there. Doesn't even matter. So I didn't care too much about that. Uh, what, are, what are your first thoughts about this uh, this little piece right here, RB? So, man, like we said last week, you know, the, the way that this situation has been reported on is just so odd. I mean, it's back and forth, and I know it's peak off season, but it, I feel like we can't gauge anything at this point. The Sixers are signing rampant centers 
And James Harden literally like can't make up his mind, right? Like, okay, he wants a trade. Daryl Moore and the Sixers say no, but then he reiterates his trade request per Ramona Shelburne. And then according to Dave McMenamin, it's likely he ends up with the Sixers. Let's ask the chat. What do you guys think? Is he going to stay or go? I said this to you last week and I will stand on it. Like Daryl Moore is about to stand on his trade request. We're going to hit a standoff here. I think that's what's going to happen. And I, we'll get into this more as we go on. But James Harden is starting to really frustrate me as a guy who supported him and who thought, you know, that he took a better role and adjusted for the team. He's really starting to piss me off because this Sixers team's trying to move forward. They can't do anything because they're kind of strapped down by the Harden situation. And we're entering Simmons territory 2.0. The difference, though, is that James Harden doesn't have you know, the similar leverage because he can't sit out an, an entire year. He's going to be 34. Then nobody's going to sign him. But the thing about it that really pisses me off is that, James, it's not like you can just, you know, like you didn't opt out and sign a four-year max with another team, right? Nobody wants you. The value is not there to give you that contract. Now, does James Harden bring a lot to the table for a team? Yes, he a great facilitator, one of the best scorers of all time can't do it anymore at that level but he can still have those type of games and this is the best situation for him to earn that next contract so the fact that he wants to go to LA play on a one-year deal and try to earn a contract there it kind of tells me that maybe he doesn't care about ball that much maybe he just wants to be back home in LA and it's really frustrating because the Sixers are kind of in no man's land right now they kind of need Harden back but he's not coming back because what does history tell you? Once Harden is unhappy, there's no going back. Yeah, that's that's probably my main thing with it. I know Daryl's trying to play this game. I know the Sixers are trying to play this game. And they're like, they have faith that they can, uh, you know, convince James to come back and play for the Sixers. Listen, one thing an egomaniac never, ever, ever does is say, all right, I changed my mind. Uh, I'm going to do what you want to do. When he says, I'm doing what I want to do, he's there's no possible way he's playing. It happened in Houston, and you saw what happened. They, they said he was part. He showed it up to training camp late because he was partying the night before. That was a fact, and he was like 40 pounds heavier. He's not joking when he says, I want to go here. Yeah. And, it, it, Daryl, you, you, you can't win this. I understand being patient, trying to get more assets from the Clippers, trying to drive up the price, trying to say, listen, we'll sit on it. But to do the same thing you did with Ben Simmons, we we don't have to trade him. I know he likes to play that game, but the Clippers know that when James Harden wants to go somewhere, he's not changing his mind. So maybe that gives the Clippers, you know, a little bit of a heads up or a little bit of a leg up in the negotiation process. I think the funniest part about this this quote is that he's still upset with how Maury handled his situation heading into possible free agency last month. And you just said, you know, maybe he doesn't care about basketball. I, I, I haven't thought he has for a long time. He thought, because I took a pay cut, I'm getting a four-year max deal the next time I sign. He didn't actually think that his play or level of dedication or anything had anything to do with it. He just thought he was automatically getting that, that four-year max contract because he did the Sixers a favor. And he put Daryl Moore in a position where he's like, I just can't do that, James. Look, my guy Sean Bernard just tweeted the other day again. He said, I went back and watched tape from game six and game seven because I'm a psycho. And James Harden was even worse than I remembered. He had a combined 21 points, 16 assists, 10 turnovers, 
25% from the floor, and he was one for 11 from three for a minus 40 in game six and game seven. I understand he had two good games, but again, he was the absolute worst player on the floor for four out of the seven games. He helped us, and he hurt us double that. And there's just no way Daryl Morey could have said, all right, I'm going to give you a four-year max contract. The city of Philly would have burned down. That's another part of it. This probably the wrong city to try to pull this junk, dude. These fans will boycott and like protest outside the arena. It's not Houston. Dude, I, I have so many like additional issues on top of what you added. Uh, number one, I mean, he got Doc Rivers fired. Now, did a lot of us want Doc fired? Yes. But you were, according to reports, the main source in getting Doc fired. So you got the coach fired. And then they bring in the new coach. You don't want to play with him. And that's number one. Number right. two, yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, you came to Philadelphia. Now, I, I disagree with you a little bit. I think he still wants to win. I think he wants that last piece on his resume. But I do agree with you in a sense that he he does want to get paid. My problem, though, is that nobody's paying you, James. Nobody. It's not like you opted out. You opted in. You know why he opted in? Because he wants that guaranteed $35 million. It's not to facilitate a trade. They could have done a signing trade. Nobody wants James Harden, and he knows Daryl Morey best. Daryl is not going to settle for T-Man and Rocco and Norman Powell. Now, if the Sixers can get back some draft assets, I'm more than happy. And I think Daryl Morey has more leverage in this situation because as bad as Ben Simmons was, he could have sat for two, three years. James Harden can't do that. The this Sixers, is actually crazy. The Sixers can get more cap space next year. You know Tobias's contract is going to be off, and it feels like we're kind of trending towards that, that land of let's build for 24. It's just hard to sell that with Joel coming off an MVP, having to take that next step in the playoffs, with Maxi trying to take another leap. Are you willing to waste another year of Joel's prime? That's the tough thing. It feels like the best thing to do is get rid of that dead weight get Tobias and James off, clear $70 million of cap space plus, and, and let these other guys, all these centers expire, and just have a fresh vault around Maxie and Embiid. But it's like Sixer fans are so impatient. They're so frustrated, as they should be. The time now is to win. But it's like, James, you're, you're, you're demanding here what you, what you don't deserve right now. Like, if the Sixers got to the finals, I'd have no problem with paying James Harden. The thing is, you took a pay cut, this team tampered for Daniel freaking House and P.J. Tucker, and they didn't get further than they did before. So that's the business of it, James. They can't, they, they can't pay you. It's just it's what it comes down to. It's the business. I get why he's frustrated, but you want, you want another contract? Come out here and lead this team to the finals. How about that? Yeah, that'll get you on. That'll get you on. Yeah, I, I mean, I understand, you know, demanding a trade, but you can't really demand a contract. <laughs> This might be the first time I've ever heard of a player demanding a contract. (laughs) Yeah, and and then Ramona Shelburne says, it's not a trade demand, it's a request. Well, what is it? What is it? Like, every time he requests a trade, he wants out, right? He's not coming back. Like, he was with Joel Embiid. You know they talked about it at least once. They've been buddies. They've gotten closer, like Joel said. And it seems like there's all professionalism and respect between the two. It's just James does not want to play unless he gets his three or four year contract. And it's frustrating, man. It's it's holding this team down right now. Yeah, I think the Daryl Morey, James Harden now going against each other thing is it's really like so crazy. You can't write stuff like this. This is like one of those 
I don't know, there's like a superhero movie or something where they were like best friends coming up when they were kids, you know what I mean? And then this guy went this way and this guy went this way. And like at the end of the movie, they're the two villains that are now like destroying a whole city by trying to kill each other. Like, it's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. And yeah, James is, it doesn't make much sense that he's demanding this uh, like trade or demanding contracts or whatever. Yeah, he's ruining his own value. Like, it just, like, is he even thinking about the fact that teams have to, trust that you're going to stay here and when you just requested out of three teams in four years why would we do why would anybody give you a contract because it, they know as soon as you're unhappy again you're going to say hey just trade me and you're at you're 33 you're going to be 34 at what point are you know what i mean you don't like i just don't get it man i just don't get it you're you're too old and on the other side of your career to be acting like lebron james in his prime i'm going to miami like and at least he waited until he was a free agent the crazy thing is, man, like I have a lot of respect for James and his career and what he's been able to do. He's he's a very special player at one time. But again, you know, based on the contract stuff, he cannot get traded and then immediately sign an extension. And that kind of brings up another point that I was thinking about. Now, I, I want to get your thoughts in the chat on this as well. Why the Clippers? Like, if it's not for the reason of going home, wanting to be in L.A., why the Clippers? Because let me lay it out for you. James Harden to the Clippers makes zero more sense than him staying in Philly. He's built, you know, some chemistry. He's he's built that camaraderie with these guys. He's mentored Maxi a little bit. They've now had two years almost under their belt. So you're going to go to L.A. You're going to play with two guys, right? They all only talk about Embiid's injury. How about Paul George and Kawhi? What have they done together? Nothing. And I know the Clippers want a point guard. They need a point guard. But you know, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't James Harden say? that he wanted a bigger role? Wasn't he frustrated, you know, maybe that he didn't have the ball in his hands enough with, with Doc Rivers this year? What do you think, he's going to become a 35-point-per-game guy in L.A.? No, no. Kawhi and PG need the ball as well, and I just don't see that working out that well. So when I look at the Clippers, to me, it, it really does not make that much sense, even from a basketball standpoint. I think, honestly, his best place to earn another contract is in Philadelphia, running one of the most lethal pick and rolls in the NBA with Joel Embiid. And, and I think it's a perfect match. And I don't know why he would want to leave from a basketball standpoint. Yeah. From a basketball standpoint. And, and uh, you know, if he would probably, and we've seen him adjust his game before, like we know that he, he likes to, or he liked to play that Houston style of basketball. And then he said, you know, doc didn't let me play my freestyle of ball. And that was really what he was doing in Houston all those years. But if you think about when he played in Brooklyn with Kyrie and Durant on the floor, which they weren't on the floor much together, but when they were, you know, he took a step back and played this facilitating point guard role. And, you know, I, I think that's really the best version of James Harden on the second half of his career that we've seen what he was doing in Brooklyn. He was still an MVP list and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I think with Nick Nurse, it, it would make sense for him to – want to stay here and, and and play with these guys. But again, that would require now James Harden to walk back on his own words. And James Harden, I just, he's just absolutely 100% not going to do that. It's just not going to happen. So we're at a standstill. It's Daryl Morey versus James Harden. Uh, who knows where it goes. Um, I think that the Clippers are the trade, the, the one that everyone's talking about, because I heard someone said it yesterday, Ryan Rasulo, somebody else, a, a Clippers uh, podcast or something. He said, Basically, the Clippers might want to do it because 
they what they've had with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard so far has not been what they want, and those contracts are are coming to a close in the next couple of years. So they could look at it like, all right, let's sign James. Let's try to get the most out of Kawhi and Paul George in the next two years. And then if it doesn't work, they all three are gone and we have a million billion dollars in cap space and we get to start all over again. And and if you trade some longer contracts to get James on a one and he resigns for two or something like that, that does kind of make sense money wise there. If you're getting if you're if you're looking five years ahead and you're saying, listen, if this whole thing blows up, we'll have a lot of cap space in three years versus five years. I guess that's why the Clippers are the one that everyone's talking about. And that's probably, they're probably the one that everyone's talking about because they're the only team that you can even kind of make something like that up for to make sense. There's not really another team that that even kind of makes sense for. I agree from the Clippers standpoint. I, I think it makes sense from their perspective, but in terms of James Harden going to the Clippers, does he think he is going to get a four-year contract from the LA Clippers. Like I'm a, honestly, I'm on the, the verge of saying if it doesn't work this year, the Clippers might blow it up again. I, outside of the Sixers and a couple other teams, I think the Clippers have been one of the most frustrating, disappointing stories. I mean, look at all the stars yeah. that have run through there the last decade and they haven't been able to really amount to anything. I mean, they got to the, the what the conference finals when Kawhi got hurt. That was their best achievement. And if it doesn't work and you know, if Kawhi gets injured, I mean, as good as he is, Let's be honest. They told Kawhi Leonard, you're going to have to play with this injury the rest of your career. Like, it's not going to get better. Paul George continues to get hurt. I would love PG on the Sixers. They have no interest in trading him. I, I mean, that's something I would at least entertain if I was Daryl Morey. I'm sure he's talked about it, but they're not going to budge. And, you know, maybe the Clippers do go all in, but from James's standpoint, I don't think they're going to give him another contract. So it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, do you want to react to a couple potential trades real quick? Yeah, um, there, there's two that are like the only two that are really out there that I guess, you know, could kind of make sense. Um, here's one of them. And, uh, you know, this is the Sixers get draft capital here. Um, but OKC holds the rights to a pick swap in that one. Norman Powell, Marcus Morris, senior Robert Covington, 2025 round one OKC pick swap and a 2029 uh, round one. Um, so then the Sixers, Hey, look, we get two first round picks in 2029. At least we could look forward to that six years from now, right, you know? Right. Uh, but yeah, what do you think of this? It, it's okay. I think people overrate the, the Rocos and the, the Marcus Morrises. Like, let's be honest. They're not going to help you win a championship. No. The goal of a trade with the Clippers, I've always said is to get draft capital and get more expiring salaries. Honestly, it again, going back to what the Sixers have done, because we didn't really get to talk about it, but Mo Bamba, Montrez Harrell, one year, one year, Pat Bev, one year. They're getting these aging vets where it's like, if it doesn't work, okay, well, we just get rid of everybody and we get rid of Rocco after one year and we say, okay, let's build around and beat him Maxi. I mean, that's kind of what a, a deal with the Clippers would be unless they trade Paul George, which they are not willing to do. They're not even willing to trade Terrence Mann, which is crazy. Yeah, that's the wild part. I do think at some point the Clippers are going to give in a little bit more. And uh, uh, the thing is, yeah, it's going to take more than this for Daryl Morey to budge. I think somebody's going to have to give in at some point. But Daryl wants at least, you know, Terrence Mann. There was another one that had a 2029, a 2028 unprotected pick uh, for the Sixers. 
So there, there's things out there, but yeah, the players that you're getting back in this in this trade, it just, I mean, again, we're like trade James Harden, but what's the best you know package you're actually going to get for him? Everyone that I looked for, I, it didn't really it didn't really say much. Maybe this was just like Clippers writers, you know what I mean, uh, doing this and trying to get the best deal for the Clippers. But uh, here's kind of a more I would say outlandish one that I came across on the internet. This is a three-team trade that includes James Harden, P.J. Tucker, Jaden Springer, JaVale McGee to the Clippers. Norman Powell, Tim Hardaway Jr., Nicholas Batum, Christian Wood in a 2029 Clippers first-round pick. That's the unprotected one. And the Dallas Mavericks got Ivaka Zubac and Marcus Morris Sr. I mean, that sounds crazy. But at the same time, this is in such a lock hold. This is in such a stalemate. I think it's going to, it might actually end up being like a blockbuster. It might end up being a five or six team and includes Damian Lillard to Miami somehow. I, I do think it could end up being a blockbuster. Um, but at the end of the day, I just like to rely on history. And history shows that once again, Daryl Morey is not going to settle on this thing. He will go to a team, ask for their best star and two first round picks. Like he's not <laughs> going to take, you know, Tim Hardaway and Robert Covington there. It's just not going to move the needle. Nick nurse came to the Sixers to win Daryl Morey, believe it or not, uh, from what he has said, believes that the Sixers, once again, were very close that they just needed a little bit more on top. So what does he do? He lets the free agents walk. He brings in Nick nurse and then he signs a couple centers. And I don't think he expected James Harden to throw this curveball of a trade request. And I was like, okay, well, we'll deal with it. We'll get James back and we'll figure it out. The one thing we don't even talk about anymore is what happened to the Tobias trade. Because it seemed like that was going to happen coming into the offseason. And as soon as Harden requested a trade, it's like, all right, that Tobias stuff, I guess, just went out the window. I mean, that's really another way to upgrade the team. But maybe they don't want to trade Tobias yet if they know they're going to trade Harden. Oh, man. there's a they, Man. You crazy man. You can't. They just can't come back with this. I mean, the way the roster looks right now makes no sense whatsoever. It, it, there's definitely. I think the way. I think the signings that they did made tells me that like there there has to be, there has to be something going on because you're not coming back with that roster. You're just. I just. I mean, you're just not coming back with that roster. I hope not. I, I hope not. It's. It's not Again, looking good right now. Daryl wants more, but you can't get more. For James, he had, he there, he has to know that. So I think he's just playing the game. I think if I had to guess wh who's going to give in first, the Clippers or Daryl Morey, yeah, he might take it all the way to training camp, and right before James Harden puts the fat suit on, he's going to say, "All right, fine, we'll take this," because he knows at the end of the day, you're not getting uh, some kind of haul in return for James Harden at this point. I, I would disagree with that. I, I think Daryl will not budge. I think it'll be Harden because when you look at his situation, it's like, James, if you don't suit up, guess what? Your career is over. Like, you're not playing again. If James Harden waits until halfway through the year and says, well, all right, I'll suit up, then he's probably not going to look as good. And it's going to get to the point where it's like, all right, well, now you're going into free agency again next year and you have absolutely no value this time nobody's signing you for a minimum so it's like I, I just i think harden's going to be the one to budge but i think it will get ugly because like you alluded to earlier we've never seen this you know disparity between 
you know, not only like the Sixers and players, but like James Harden and Daryl Morey, like they have always been on the same side. And now it's like, they're going against each other. It seems like Joel and James are fine, et cetera. They're all kind of calling for him to come back. Pat Bev on his podcast wants him to come back. Yeah, of course he's standing out. So it's like, you know, I I think he's going to either decide to come back or just say, I'm sitting out the whole year. I think a lot of the big difference between Philly and other cities is that like the fan base is they don't pay attention to this kind of stuff necessarily this intently in the off season. Philadelphia fans don't forget at all. I remember there was a Phillies player when I was a kid that they were booing when I was at a Phillies game. And it was because he said when he was drafted that he didn't want to come to Philadelphia. And it was like seven years later and they still booed the guy. They never forget things. And so what happens if James Harden is the one that budges and he comes back to play in Philadelphia after all of this stuff came out, it might look like the malice in the palace in, <laughs> in, in the Wells Fargo Center. They might be throwing trash on the floor. Like, I don't understand what's going to happen. It's going to be, it's just not the kind of city to mess around with with this kind of stuff. They will boo you. It's not really, they're not really going to do that, but they will boo you every game the whole season because yeah. you said you don't want to be here. And that's the one thing, Philly fans, once you say that, we're good to go. You know, yeah. if you don't want to be here, don't come here. So if he shows up on the floor, if he's forced to give in, there's just going to be booze the whole season. It's going to be the weirdest, like, ugliest thing. The, the broadcasters are going to have to pretend it's not happening the whole time. It's going to be crazy. I mean, you know, if there's one team that's used to it, it's definitely uh, Philadelphia. I mean, I would hope that this is resolved before training camp, but who knows, right? Because, again, you know, now the Sixers are $4 million into the luxury tax. And you know the owners don't want to pay the tax. So what I would expect to happen is probably Furcon gets dumped and then they either try to f- go in with this roster or they try to figure something out in terms of a trade. I mean, do you trade Tobias and Harden now or do you wait until, you know, February 10th when teams are desperate and they're saying, oh, well, we could use a Tobias Harris to provide us some value and here we'll give you extra draft picks, you know, so. It's it's going to be a weird situation. I mean, it, it feels like you don't want to take a couple steps backwards, but maybe you have to take a few steps backwards before you take a couple forward. And maybe that's where the Sixers team's at. Yeah, shout out to Rupert Pumpkin and a couple other people in the chat. It was JD Drew. I was it's so funny that I remember that. I was a kid in Veteran Stadium listening to this dude get booed by Phillies fans. It was JD Drew. Yep. yep. Um Yeah, so uh shout out to the super chats as well, man. I want to say this because last time you said there was people in the chat saying that I'm the biggest Harden hater in the world. They're they're, they're probably in there saying it right now. They're and probably saying I'm a Harden hater at this point. Here's what I have to say to that. They said the same thing about Ben Simmons. They said you all you talk about is Ben Simmons. You just trash Ben Simmons. You guys try to run your own stars out of town all the time. You're the biggest Simmons hater in the world. And look what happened. It's because... You can see this coming from a mile away. Somebody that cares more about themselves than the team. Somebody that cares more about themselves than probably winning. And I don't think you win championships with guys like this. I don't think you win championships with guys that are all about themselves, that are not willing to sacrifice anything, not willing to sacrifice a play style, uh, blaming everybody every time something goes wrong. It was this coach's fault. Now there's a new coach. I don't want to play for him. Blaming this, blaming that. Never, ever, ever looking in the mirror, you know? I've been around a couple more years than you, but you've probably met people like this, and you'll meet a lot more throughout your lifetime. They're impossible to deal with. They will never look at themselves in the mirror. And yeah, I'm the biggest Harden hater in the world, and look what happened. He's doing exactly what Ben Simmons did. 
I think James Harden's exactly what's wrong with today's NBA. I really do. And the NBA needs to figure out how to put a stop to it. But it seems like they can't because the money's gotten to be so much now that, you know, somebody figured out, I think it was Anthony Davis maybe was the first one down in New Orleans. Somebody figured out that, like, if I just say I don't want to play for any other teams, then those teams probably won't trade for me. You know, Damian Lillard's doing it right now with Miami. Yeah. If I just say I want to be traded, I don't want to play here, they're probably going to trade me because you don't want a player that doesn't want to play for you. And if I just say I'm not going to play for that team, then that team's probably not going to give up assets for me. So the player has figured out how to put the team in a, in a predicament to where they give in. And I don't know how the NBA changes it. The stars have run the league now for how many years? It just keeps happening. It's becoming to the point where contracts are don't even matter. It doesn't matter. You can just refuse to honor the contract. You know, if I sign a contract with, with a construction company or something and then I don't show up, a lot worse things are going to happen to me than these NBA players. I'm going to get sued, actually. Turned out Ben Simmons got to sue the Sixers and got some of his money back, which still makes no sense to me. So I don't know. The NBA is all jacked up, and Harden is one of the problems. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with what you're saying. I, I do think there's a problem. I think the NBA should have addressed it more in the new CBA, which they clearly did not. And, you know, I mean, I'm not a Harden hater. I'm just a Sixers realist, and I want to see the team succeed. Like, we have been stuck at the same, you know, destination now for the last however many years, and people want to see a championship. They want to get to that point. You have one of the greatest Sixers ever suiting up every single night, and you can't make it past the damn second round. Like, that is quite embarrassing, to be honest. And, you know, we've had to sit through all these annoying situations i mean i feel like if the even if the sixers kept butler for one more year maybe they they get to the conference finals like there's no way this team should not have made it <laughs> to a conference finals it's it's crazy man and you know i i supported Harden all season what i think he's doing right now doesn't really make sense because i, I don't think there's a better situation out there i think this is the spot where he needs to earn his value if that's the case if he wants to win i think here is where he should do that. But clearly he thinks different. Yeah, there's a uh it seems to be your subscribers that are that are in here. I don't because I don't think they would even come to my page, probably. That's probably why. They're they're you know, they're calling me a hater. This guy's a hater. The guy on the left is just a hater. Yes, I hate players that put teams in situations and demand things, especially when you're 33 and you played the way that you played in the playoffs and you you like you're you're just ruining your own value. You're just messing the whole flow up. You're refusing to, you know, sacrifice for for a team. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I am a hater. That's a correct statement. I mean, at, at the end of the day, man, we know that James Harden, just like every other player, has his dedicated fans. Um, I know Sixer fans right now, almost all of them are frustrated with James Harden just for kind of drawing or dragging this on as it is already. Now, again, there's definitely reason to be frustrated with Daryl Morey and the Sixers, but you cannot be frustrated with the Sixers organization for not paying James Harden a four-year max. Like we said that at the end of the year, it, it just doesn't make sense. It's not feasible. So look, I hope they can come to, together on, on terms. I mean, we can kind of talk about that, you know, like what do we think is going to happen? What is the best case scenario? I mean, if they want to compete, let's be honest, bringing Harden back is probably the best case right now because who else are you going to get? All the minimum free agents are off the board. You're not, I mean, unless you can land a Zach Levine or, or somebody like that, obviously you're not getting Dame at this point. Like, where do you go? I mean, 
I, the best case right now is to bring him back and to hopefully let him and Tobias both expire this year, right? That is the best case, but he's not going to budge. That's the problem. I don't yeah. think Harden's going to give in. Frank, yeah. thank you for the super chat. Oh, uh, you didn't say anything. I don't know if you were going for a comment there, but thank you for donating to the channel. Anyway, Kenny Smith, Harden's ego is his biggest weakness. Uh, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I agree. But, you know, again, it, the, what I think is these uh, players have begun to uh, get so much money playing in the NBA that they no longer really have to care. Uh, you know, back in the day, uh, like I said, uh, uh, Will Chamberlain and uh, Bill Russell were making $75,000 a year. Uh, that was like equivalent to a hundred K right now it, with, uh, with uh, inflation, like literally that's like NBA players right now making a hundred thousand dollars. Uh, when you get to 200 million, um, I just think you're living on a different planet and like you just, there's, there has to be incentive necessarily. Yeah. Guys have killer instinct and guys want to win and guys continue to try to win and they continue to try to get the, you know, get to the championship, but there's a lot of NBA players that have made $200 million that are perfectly content with living their lavish lifestyle and never winning in the NBA. Because what, I mean, I don't know, like if I, if you gave me $200 million right now and then told me I got to go to work tomorrow, I'd be like, eh, <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm going to put my Gucci flip flops on and go down to like the breakfast bar and have, you know, somebody feed me an omelet. Like I, it's just ridiculous how much money they have. And I think that I do think that has to do with it, but that's just, uh, that's just my opinion. The random gamer was up? The guy on the left is a realist. This team is buns and will forever be buns. Listen, man, I'll tell you what. When this team does finally get over the hump, you know what will happen eventually. Hopefully, we're all around for it, but it's going to be a sweet day. It's, it's going to be a great year, and hopefully it's this year because, the, I mean, the fans are dying for it. You know, it's so many opportunities that have been, you know, squandered. I mean, even this year, so. So I'm, I said it wrong. 75K in the 60s was 700,000 right now. I said 100,000. It, it, it equaled 700,000 right now, which is still a lot less than the 50 million that they're starting to make. Um, You got anything else on the James Harden front? I mean, let, let, let's talk about this, right? So if the Sixers do not bring James Harden back, what do they do? Do they go out and they trade Tobias right away? Do they hold on and see what they can work with? Do they try to get the most out of him with Nick Nurse? What do they do? And, you know, maybe some of these younger guys are going to finally get to play. You know, maybe that's a positive. I, I think we got to also think about what is what would Nick Nurse rather do? You know, I think Nick Nurse as this confident young compared to, you know, some other coaches we've had in here, uh, coach who prides himself on creativity open-mindedness, uh, trying things and failing and changing it and trying other things. And he told Tyrese Maxey experimenting in-game. Uh, you know, I think somebody like him is would probably rather uh, go forward with Tyrese Maxey at point guard and, and, and put it on his shoulders that he can turn Tyrese Maxey into more of a facilitator and more of a team-running, half-court, you know, uh, uh, floor general type of player then bring a guy like Harden in here who's already openly basically said he doesn't want to play for him. Um, so I honestly, if if Harden, if they trade Harden, then that yeah, that's it. You just move forward. You know that it's probably not as, and this is what's funny about the people that call me the biggest Harden hater ever. I've been saying you're clearly not as good 
without James Harden running the point guard. He led the team and he led the league in assists. He's a ridiculous facilitator. He's one of the best passers I've ever seen in my lifetime. And he was a lot of fun to watch in a lot of moments. But we're talking about him demanding a trade in the contract and what he's worth and things like that at this point in his career. Um, so, yeah, I think you would just probably hope that Nick Nurse can, uh, you know, kind of advance Tyrese Maxey, speed up his uh, development, maybe turn him into a little bit better of a facilitator and just move forward and hope that it looks the best. I think that's what the fans would rather have. Fans would rather watch Tyrese Maxey try than to watch James Harden right now. I think Maxie's going to be very much improved this year with a, a more increased role. I think Nurse is going to get the ball moving. He talked about it uh, on his podcast with with Maxie, and he said, you know, it's not going to look the same every night. You know, some nights we're going to attack the best matchup, say it's Maxie or Tobias, whoever it is. You know, the ball is not always going to be going to Joel down low. It's not going to be as predictable. And I think that's what will make this offense more dynamic. Obviously, you have to have the players around that, but I like his philosophy. I like the way he talks basketball. I think the Sixers are going to be moving a lot more. You're not going to see them, you know, stand around and get out-rebounded by 15, you know, for five nights in a row. I think the team will be more entertaining for sure. But I think the key is to getting more draft picks in trades. I think you have to build through the draft, and the Sixers have obviously missed a lot, and give these young guys some some run. I like it. I don't know if you've been watching the, the Summer League, but Right now, there's a couple guys that honestly look like they deserve roster spots. Maybe they're not going to be great role players yet, but they look like okay. Here they are. It's finally time. Yeah, I've been trying to. I've been trying to keep up with a little bit. I, I did watch the the Terquavion Smith. Am I saying his name right? Terquavion Smith. Terquavion and, uh, Smith. Let, let uh, me just say, I, I'm about to go on another Isaiah Joe run here. I'm, uh, Crystal Ball RBs coming out. I, we told you guys about Isaiah Joe. If you have not watched Turk Smith, I'm telling you right now, the dude has something special. Do I think he's going to be an all-star? I don't know. But just like I saw something in Isaiah Joe early on, Turk has it, and he has to make the roster. He absolutely has to make it. Yeah, so Turquavian Smith, man, like, again, we know it's the summer league. That's why it's hard for me to really, like, I try to pay attention to it, but um, I think when the Sixers were were in more of a tank mode and stuff, I was really into the summer league, obviously. And when they have more of a high draft pick, we're really excited to watch the summer league. We're excited to watch Markel Fultz in the summer league. Ben Simmons at that point when he was still telling everyone he was going to shoot the ball. Uh, Tyrese Maxey in the summer league. It's hard for me to pay attention to the summer league right now. Uh, but I think Turquavian Smith, first of all, he looks like he can shoot all over the floor. He looks like he can create his own shot. On yes. an NBA level, it's it's still hard to gauge, obviously, without him playing against NBA talent. Um, his change of speed with the ball in his hands is like, I'm seeing him do things. It's like, wait a minute. I didn't even see a player on the Sixers roster last year or maybe the past couple of years do that change of speed. You know, even Tyrese Maxey has that like one speed go. This dude has a change of speed. He has yep. a pull up mid range. He has a, a he has even and on top of it, he has like long range. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of players with those intangibles that he has all, would struggle to shoot or something. He looks very complete. He he just, the only thing is he needs to put on some weight. I mean, he struggles on the defensive side because he's not big enough, but that is something you can obviously change. Like with a pro training staff and getting those NBA workouts in, and, and we know that, right? Like other than that, he has something to his game. It, it reminds me of how I looked at Isaiah Joe. Like, 
you knew when Isaiah Joe hit that game winner, like, okay, like he has something to his game. Maybe it won't look perfect from the beginning, but like you said, it's just, it's so refreshing to watch. Like, like you yeah. said, he can change speeds. He's pulling up from 35 feet. Like it's beautiful to watch. And I hope he makes the roster. And the confidence in the shot. And yeah, summer league, that's kind of why these guys are just chucking. There was a player yesterday. I retweeted the video of him, like doing a Steph Curry turnaround and it missed everything. It hit like the side of the backboard. And it was like, dude, I get being confident in the summer league. You know, it, it doesn't matter. So you can just chuck shots, but you're also representing yourself and trying to sell yourself to, you know, a team and trying to make a roster. So to do something crazy like that is, was funny. But uh, yeah, I think, uh, the one thing you hope to see summer league guys do is be that confident when they get on the NBA floor. And Jaden Springer, I've just I just think he I mean he's so young, right? And he has he has a confidence issue when he gets on the NBA floor and I've seen it um when he plays in the G League, he looks like dropping 47 points getting them to the G League finals, hitting seven three-pointers and even 29 points today in the summer league game. And he looked super confident and pulling up and, and all the different array of shots that he was doing Euro steps, left-handed finish everything. And then when he got on the floor for the Sixers last year under doc, he just looked like skittish. You know what I mean? He looked totally scared and would kind of not play his game at all, really, because he just looked super, super nervous. And that could be just the pressure that Doc Rivers put on young guys. I can't make a mistake. I'm never going to play for the rest of my life if I even make a turnover. And then they're in their own head, and they're making mistakes. So maybe they just weren't comfortable because Doc Rivers maybe wasn't good at making young players uh, or focusing on young players being comfortable. Isaiah Joe, like you put him on the floor for five minutes, then he wouldn't play him for three months, and it was like, how's this guy ever going to get comfortable? Okay, so he's like, here, go ahead and make some mistakes, find your game, and boom. You know what I mean? So maybe yeah. Nick Nurse, I think I think we could all probably predict that Nick Nurse would get a lot more out of uh, some guys like that just because he, he, he'll probably give them a little bit more opportunity to make mistakes and learn. Yeah, he'll give him a lot more opportunity. I think Nick Nurse is going to do a lot for this team. I do. Um, if you said give me the same roster as last year with Nick Nurse, maybe they win that series um, because as bad as the players were, I mean, you know, you can't fully blame Doc Rivers, but there were a lot of ups and downs throughout the year. And, you know, other times he could have used other players and guys that were cut. And, you know, just the strategy, even Maxi and Springer kind of both accidentally threw shade at Doc Rivers. Like Maxi said that he's never had a coach that adjusted like that in game. Jane yeah. Springer said the drills that they did in, in the first practice were, you know, so down to the point and, and just so lasered that he's never had a coach like that either. So it, you listen to nurse talk. He's very smart. He's like a philosophy teacher. He just, he thinks about every angle. He's the guy that's going to stay up till four in the morning just because he's a freak on how to do one little intricate detail. I think he's yeah. going to do wonders for this team. The question is, will the Sixers have enough talent to give him to run, you know, what he needs to be effective? If they do that, I think Nurse can get this team over the top. Yeah, I love listening, you know, just some of the clips of him in, like, uh, just him, like, wherever he is. He's with a microphone on a court talking to some college kids, whoever he's talking to. Yeah, he's just, he's very insightful, and he's very, like, locked into the really fine details of the game. Yeah. And I think that's what you didn't get with Doc, you know, and it's just too, it was too, he's too close to retirement. It clearly, he just didn't really care that much. Um, and <laughs> I think Nick Nurse, you get someone that's, like I said, a little more locked in, a lot more locked in. And <coughs> my bad. 
No, I, uh, I agree. Um, I, I think the Sixers will be better off with Nick Nurse, but I, I'm still worried about what they're going to do with the roster. I mean, they now they could potentially have five centers <laughs> on the <laughs> roster, and it's like, <laughs> I just, I mean, Nurse kind of like, he said it in the podcast. <laughs> you good? You dying? I need a minute. Hold on. He's dying. Um, <coughs> yeah, Nurse kind of alluded to the fact that Petrusev might be next up in line to uh to make the roster and if Petrusev makes the roster that'll be Joel Embiid, Paul Reed, Petrusev, Bamba and Trez. Something's got to give. It just I don't know what to say. Man. It's like it's you can't have five centers on the roster. You can't have five centers. No way. No, you can't. And I want to ask you a question about that, but I need like a second. I've been dealing with this for a couple of days now. Hold on a sec. Sixers Take away for a minute for me. Read the chat or something. My bad. Nah, you good, man. Um, <laughs> someone said Petrusev stinks. Someone said running back is laughing at RB's optimism. Look, man, at the end of the day, I think this is probably the most negative that you have probably seen me in a long time. But I don't know. I, I'm I'm optimistic about Nick Nurse. I do think he'll be a effective coach, but they got to figure out the hardened situation. It's funny how you get people on both sides of the spectrum, though. You know, like the the complete hardened fans that just do not see anything wrong, and then you get the the Sixer fans who don't see anything right at all. It's not like the Sixers are a lottery team; like they have talent on the roster, but you're you're going to have to improve the margins. And somebody said, "Is Bamba possibly a power forward?" No, he's not. And I wanted to ask you that. Yeah, no. That, yeah. So yeah, sorry for dying on everyone. I've been fighting that today, past couple of days, and. You know, I, I I made it uh I made it forty five minutes without having a coffee bit. But um, do you think Nick Nurse? So like the Mo Bamba thing, people are telling me because Brooke Lopez, like like uh, Mo Bamba can be the Brooke Lopez to Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo. You know what I mean? Do you think Nick Nurse can make that work? I know they can both shoot. I know uh, Mo Bamba was one of the fastest in the draft class at that size. So that's a thing. Like he's not he's not like big and unable to move. He can actually move a little bit. Um, and I guess like Nick Nurse has done it before with uh with uh Serge Ibaka, Marcus Sol, Pascal Siakam. Like that Raptors championship team wasn't really a small team. There was a lot of big guys there. So do you think maybe Nurse can do something that isn't necessarily modern NBA because he can get that creative with the, with those guys and maybe he can play Mo Bamba and Joel Embiid? together to me that just sounds crazy because they're just two giants and it i just you just don't really see it anymore in the nba i guess in milwaukee it works but it's also because brooke lopez shoots threes from like 70 feet away you know what i mean so it, it, i mean i have a couple thoughts on that number one if there is a guy who could kind of you know draw up some creative philosophy like that i think that nick nurse could be one of those guys what i will say on the opposite end though is the last thing I ever want to do again is put another center next to Joel Embiid. Like we tried that, we experimented. It was the worst disaster ever. <laughs> so, you know, the 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 fact that people are out there and it, it really is getting to me at this point. Like, I don't think these people understand, dude. Let, let's think about this for a second. Let's actually think about this. We look at the Sixers team, right? What have they not had for years? A bench. And they let George Niang go. As much as everybody complains about George Niang, let's be honest, 
The guy can probably shoot upwards of like 38 to 40% from three. He can hit big shots. We Nobody can deny that. Yang always hit big shots. He was willing to pull the trigger, et cetera. Shake Milton kind of, you know, fizzled out of the rotation. You know, you have the Anthony Melton. But let's look at this bench right now. Trez, Mo Bamba. Mo Bamba so far has been a bust. There's people out there saying, go sign Bol Bol. Sign Mo Bamba. What have these guys done? Mo Bamba looked decent in a span with the Orlando Magic. Do you know how bad the Orlando Magic are? He had one year where he averaged 10 points per game. His best season, he averaged 10 points per game at a number six overall pick. He was a six overall pick. We thought this guy was going to be the next, like, big thing. Like, nobody had ever seen a a seven-footer with that wingspan and and all these things. And, you know, they made the song about him, et cetera. He has nowhere lived up to the hype. Trez, as much as I liked the signing last year, has nothing left in the tank. And as much as, and I'm telling you, the biggest impact signing off the bench might be Pat Bev. Pat Bev is a dog, but he doesn't have much left in the tank. So as bad as this bench is, and as bad as it has been for years, they have added Mo Bamba and Pat Bev. That's all they've done. So I don't understand the people out there, you know, commenting and replying and, oh my gosh, like the Sixers really hit a gem here and they're going to play Bamba at the four and, they should play bowl bowl at the three. Like, I don't understand where these things come from. They have not really done anything other than sign Paul Reed. That was a good, uh, you know, offer match there. But now they have all these other big men. So it's like, how are you going to maneuver th- through this? That's my question. Yeah, I mean, I'm confused about all. I'm confused about all of it. Like, you let Jalen McDaniel. Did, did you like Paul Reed resigning, though? Did, did you yeah, think that was yeah, smart? Of course. Yeah, of course, but but at the same time, like in today's NBA, you know, uh, give me one backup center for Joel. Right. You know, the third string center can be anyone out of the damn Petrosev. You know what I mean? Third string center. Who cares? Because if you're on your third string center, you're losing anyway. You right. know what He's I mean? Gonna be the fifteenth man. He's not going to get much burn. Right. And the Mo Bamba and then re-signing Trez. I mean, what did re-signing Trez do? Saved you seven hundred thousand dollars on that opt-in. He was going to opt-in anyway, right? And maybe they could have worked to opt in and trade. Maybe they could have, I don't know, waived him, but that would probably would have put him under the, above the luxury tax. And Josh Harris' main goal, you know what it is, to get under the luxury tax. That's another topic for another day. That guy doesn't care about sports. He just, you know. So they weren't going to go into the luxury tax. So I think it had something to do with that. But it's a really odd uh, roster right now, especially with the only true wing, DeAnthony, I mean, uh, uh, Jalen McDaniels, leaving. So now you have no wings, you have five centers, you have, I mean, it's just, it just doesn't make much sense right now, unless there's a package coming back from, for Harden, including like, you know, Terrence Mann and Norman Powell. Resigning Trez made absolutely no sense. And honestly, I'm starting to think that they signed Trez and Bamba because they were scared they were going to lose Paul Reed. Because if you knew that you were going to sign Reed back, why would you even sign these other guys? It doesn't make any sense. And I go back to the comment that somebody left in our stream last week that said, are the Sixers allergic to wings? They that's might crazy. be. They that's don't crazy. have any wings on a roster. And that uh, it, that's what you need right now in the NBA to win. You need yeah. a, a couple wings. The Sixers yeah, have none. Like, and, like, I, and like for me, the, for me, like growing up, the entire joy of watching the NBA – was wings, dude. I grew up in the early 2000s. Vince Carter, Tracy McGrady, Paul Pierce. They were all dominant wings. 
who have dunk highlights on YouTube? Where are our guys that can drop 30 points? You know, where's the Jason Tatum? Okay, Jason Tatum has become an MVP candidate, but, like, we never have a damn wing. No, we don't. And and, and somebody in the chat says that we're going to be wrong about Bamba and that we didn't like Drummond when he signed. I actually like the Drummond signing. Here's the difference. Drummond was signed to be a backup center for, like, $2 million. You just signed Paul Reed to be your backup center for $8 million. And and please, I do not want to hear any more of the, oh, Paul Reed's going to play the four next to Embiid. No, he is not. We went over this before, but yeah, go ahead. Say it nope. again. For the people that didn't, that don't Paul know. Paul Reed is not going to be starting at power forward, and he's not going to be playing power forward next to Joel Embiid. Why? Because he doesn't have an offensive game. He's a great defensive scrappy guy. He's a great rebounder. He's not going to be playing until he can shoot a ball. And Mo Bamba, I don't see him moving any type of needle. I don't think he's going to play that much. I don't care what he says. Yeah, that's that's the funny part. It's because he said it, because Mo Bamba said it. Then everyone was like, look, he said Joel's going to play the four. And and people are trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm like, okay, all right. Thank you for having that side of it. Because I think the the people that were telling me this on Twitter started to make me believe it a little bit. And I was like, wait a minute, maybe he can. Uh, I do think, I, I, I think if, again, the roster doesn't make sense. But I think if I had to make sense of it, and Mo Bamba could. That's it's always funny when people are like, if he's healthy, yeah, he hasn't been healthy his whole career. Why would he be healthy now? But like, if he's healthy, I would have faith that uh, Nick Nurse could like use him in, in certain situations with Joel on the floor. I don't even like to say it because Joel Embiid commands so much space on an NBA floor. This is, I think, the one thing people don't even like. I I just have you ever watched him play? Right. He commands more space in the paint since. Shaquille O'Neal there's yeah. just there's just no real room for another big guy unless he's standing in the corner and Mo Bamba can shoot from the corner but it just it's just odd to me uh thinking about those two guys playing together and the rest of the five center roster right now no wings where are the guards um you know I don't know anymore <laughs> I, I feel like every time we do these shows we we kind of just like slowly walk towards the ledge and then we end up yeah. just walking off because it's yeah, like we, yeah you know we we try to be optimistic we try to think about things but then when you really take it down to the core it's like all right this Sixers team needs to make a move and it all ties back to the main topic of the show James Harden so for the Harden people out there James Harden right now is restricting the Sixers from doing anything say James Harden comes back well guess what he just used two and a half months where the Sixers couldn't sign anybody because they didn't know what James Harden was going to do. Maybe if James Harden comes back immediately, they say, all right, let's go out and sign Jalen McDaniels. But no, nah, they, they didn't do anything except sign one-year backup centers. And man, this is, I mean, if it stays this way, how about this? If it stays this way, is this offseason worse than 2019? Yeah. Oh, worse than 2019. Uh, I think, yeah, because 2019, at least they tried to tell us that they had a plan and they were like, listen, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to be bigger and taller than everyone in the NBA. They convinced me. I remember I was like, who's going to score yeah. with Joel Embiid and Al Horford in the paint. And I was like, we're going to dominate. We're going to beat teams a hundred to 75. And then we realized that's just not the modern NBA. People just stretch you out. They just run pick and pops. They just go over the screen. They just, or you go under the screen and they just shoot from 25 feet. doesn't matter if you have Al Horford and Embiid in the paint. When guys are just shooting the ball, you got to be able to get out on the shooter. 
which is what wings do. Uh, yeah, that's another thing with Mo Bamba and Joel Embiid. Can two guys that you know can they get out on the shooter? Like we, you can only really have one guy like that on your on your team, on the floor at one time. Yeah, exactly. And and somebody in the chat said I heard Dwayne Dedman's coming back. You know, I want to say real quick about that because you just brought up Josh Harris, right? And, and we could talk about this on on another show as well. But we're really going to see this year who the blame fell on from last year, right? Is it Daryl Morey? Is it Doc Rivers? Or is it only the ownership? Because they said they were keeping an open roster spot. I'll never get rid of this thought. They said they kept an open roster spot in October. They cut Isaiah Joe and Charles Bassey to have a spot to sign somebody in February or on the buyout market. And they added Dwayne Dedman. Like that is just not acceptable. And, you know, if they do something similar or, you know, we've heard they're trying to duck the tax, right? Maybe they dump FERC on salary and try to get back down below. Like we're going to really see this year who has the power and who, you know, who the hierarchy really falls on. And I think that's a good point, you know. So even though it was a joke, yeah, they they cannot be limited, but maybe they are from from the higher ups. I think that's one of those things that's going to be like on an ESPN thirty for thirty, like ten years from now or twenty years from now, where they're talking about back in the day, you know, and the former GM get, it starts telling stories and tells about, you know, this is what happened, and we had heated we had heated arguments in the conference room. I bet I guarantee you, him and Doc Rivers had heated arguments. There's just no way they didn't. They're, they're too stubborn, and Doc wanted a, certain guys on the roster, and it just didn't make sense. Daryl Morey tr like drafted guys and, and signed guys, and Doc refused to play them. There's no way they were on the same page <laughs> for a couple years, and it was just that was just ownership. Well, we owe Doc $25 million a year for the next whatever, so uh, you, know, you guys just need to work it out. Uh, and now Daryl's like fully in charge. And I thought Daryl Morey built a better roster that Doc Rivers refused to play than he's done so far this offseason. So, uh, like, you're finally in charge, and this is what you do? Yeah, valid point. And I, I've been a big Morey backer, and, you know, I'm not completely out on him yet, but you have to improve this roster. I mean, now is the time. And uh, I want to address another comment. I don't know where it went in the chat, but uh, somebody had said, oh, well, you know, maybe the Sixers have a more defensive mind under Nick Nurse. Okay, fair. Joel at the five, Bomb at the four. And they they brought up the Cavs, how the Cavs have Mobley and Allen running around. Here's the difference between the Cavs and the Sixers. Darius Garland and before or, or now they had Donovan Mitchell, right? Like you, you get those bigs and you have these crazy guards who can create and knock down shots running around. Who do the Sixers have running around these two big centers? All right, Tyrese Maxey. Who else? Who else? That's my problem. If you go get me Donovan Mitchell, sure. Let's run the two big lineup and have these guards spacing everything out. But you see what I mean? There's a there's a dilemma here. You got PJ Tucker trying to run around uh, oh, two centers. That's what I mean. With the, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, I didn't even bring that up. With with yeah, if the two centers, it can't be Tobias Harris and PJ Tucker. That just doesn't make sense. So now the worst line that would be worse than the Horford line. At least Horford could shoot a little bit. Horford, Simmons, Embiid. Uh, who else was on there? Josh Richardson. Oh, gosh. Josh <laughs> Richardson. And then off the bench, you got Mike Scott, um, Greg Monroe, <laughs> Boba. And that team, that team was bounces away. Bounces away the, the following year or the year before from, from going, you know, the conference finals. And then they add Horford. 
and and they keep Tobias Harris on a max. Like it's just it's well. I think you're predicting so far that Harden gives in and comes back. I'm predicting that the roster looks this awkward right now because Daryl Morey knows he's going to get a package of combo guards in a James Harden trade. I I mean that's yeah I, I disagree in that I don't think Daryl will trade James unless he gets a star back. Who's a star? Like that he would trade for or just in general? How would he get a star back? No, that's the, what I'm saying. He's not getting one. And that's why that's why I think that it's going to result in a standoff. That's my, you know, that's my decision here. That's what I'm declaring. I think it's going to result in a standoff in the training camp around that time. And I think it's going to be, okay, James, time to suit up and come to training camp. And then we're going to see, you know. Is well, here's he why. Here's why people think James Harden put a fat suit on. He didn't put a fat suit on. James Harden has said before, he said, like, I, I don't I don't lose, I don't shed fat as, as quick as I used to. I think he's kind of a, his body type is very just, it's, it's, it's out, it's different. You know, he can go skinny to fat real fast. And the problem is when he says, I don't want to play for you, and you say, yeah, we're going to wait a couple months. He's not going and working out. He's not going and working out for a couple months, like working out hard and dedicating himself. He's saying, okay, you want to wait a couple months? See me, see me in the strip clubs in Houston or whatever. And then they're like, Hey James, you're coming back. And then he's like, all right, I'm coming back. And he looks like what he would look like if he did nothing for three months. That's what the fat suit is. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to disagree with that. Now I will, I will re propose something to you here. If J like, I don't think people remember, right? They get on Daryl Morey about the Ben Simmons trade, et cetera, et cetera. We do remember, right? It wasn't too long ago that the Nets had lost eight games in a row. The complete ship fell over. Like it just sunk. It was done. Kyrie, Katie, Hart, whatever was going on. Like all of that happened at the perfect time leading up to the deadline. Do you think Daryl Morey would have traded Ben Simmons at that point if the Nets did not collapse like that? I don't think he would have. I think he would have just kept it on going. I don't think he would have traded him. I can't believe we're in this situation. I can't Seriously. believe we're in the same situation. I can't I, believe I, I'm ready for process 2.0. I'm ready for in, in three years when they absolutely clean house. Maybe Josh Harris sells the team. It, it's just, it's just ridiculous. It's been ridiculous for years. It, it, it really it has been ridiculous. Ever, <laughs> I mean, it's just a, the turn of events have just been absolutely insane, but I'm telling you, like he would have never traded Simmons, you know, it, unless it was for his boy Harden when everything fell apart. Like it, it came together at the right time. And I don't think he's going to trade his boy now unless he gets what he wants. Why did he trade Ben? Because he got what he wanted. He stood on his ground and said, I want this. And he got it. He's not going to trade James. He had to give up two extra first round picks to get it. Yeah, he did give up extra assets at the end. He threw in Drummond and he threw in another pick. It, it was supposed to be Thibel, funny enough. But, um, you know, he threw in extra assets to get the guy that he wanted in James Harden, but he got the star at the time. First of all, DVW, thank you for the super chat. We need to sign Jordan Bolden for our last infinity stone. That's funny. Play, give us six, six centers. Trade for Christian Wood, too, while you're at it. Uh, Fresh, thank you for a super chat. My two favorite YouTube streamers been following y'all for years. Love when y'all collab. Thanks, bro. We appreciate it, man. We're just out here trying to make sense of it uh, like everyone else is. Uh, Steve H, thanks for the super chat. How about the Sixers get Tyler Hero 
in a three-team trade. Um, I mean, if we're talking about like, I don't know how that even, I don't know how that even comes to fruition, really, unless it's a blockbuster with Dame going to Miami and Miami sending Hero to Philly and Harden going to L.A. and uh, I just that seems way too complicated uh, for it to happen, but. If it happened and you, and you get Tyler Hero, look, I'm not the biggest Tyler Hero fan in the world, but again, this team doesn't have a single outside of Tyrese Maxey and DeAnthony Melton, but like a, a, a wing type of player. I don't even know if you can call Tyler Hero a wing. What is Tyler Hero? I don't know. I was trying to I was trying to agree yeah. with you, Steve. Yeah, I, I wouldn't consider him a wing, and and I, I don't think Tyler Hero will move the needle, especially given his contract. I think it's another just kind of dead money, especially at the back end that you bring on and I don't think that the Sixers want to do that. I think let, let me ask you this, Steve and the, and the chat and you. Who has more leverage in this situation? Is it the Sixers or James Harden? Uh man, who has more leverage? It's the Sixers. Yeah, it's the I Sixers agree. because yeah, James Harden is at the point of his career that he's at. Um and he's asked out now three teams in 4 years. Um you know, teams probably don't think that he's going to be very dedicated if he, if they do give up assets for him. Uh, that's, again, why the Clippers are, are one of the only teams that kind of makes sense because you could blow it all up in two years and everyone's off the books. That's kind of the only reason anyone would give up something for for James at this point is if, they, if it doesn't work, we can blow the whole thing up and then we're, we got a lot of things off the books. Yeah, yeah they, Sixers definitely have the most leverage. But what's James Harden going to do? Is this going to be... The epit like he's gotten his way in Houston. He got his way in Brooklyn. If he doesn't get his way, what does he do? We haven't seen that side of James Harden. We've seen James Harden side of James Harden, which is egotistical, but like you know, just as egotistical as a lot of NBA players. But maybe he goes to some extreme degree if he doesn't get his way. You don't know what it's. We don't know what happens if he doesn't get his way. What happened when Ben Simmons didn't get his way? He literally lost millions of dollars, sat at home, and chose to lose millions of dollars. That that is insane. He came to practice with a phone in his pocket. <laughs> yeah, not, I mean, that was just an asinine situation. I, I hope it does not get to that. I would not like to see that with the Sixers. I don't think James would even show up. If he was not playing, I think he would just sit home until he's traded. But like you said earlier, I mean, there's an issue going on. Even with Dame Lillard right now, it's like he's forcing his way to Miami. And like I said last week, I, I've lost respect for Dame in that instance because you know, it's kind of getting ridiculous with these stars demanding to be sent to one team and one team only. Like, that should not be the case. I've been wanting to look at, by the way, DJ Weed Pizza, amazing name. I've been wanting to look at what this, how the Sixers looked when Tyrese Maxey was the starting point guard in the beginning of that season when Ben Simmons was refusing to play. Because I think they were pretty good. They had Seth Curry on the roster. Yeah. So maybe, you know, I don't know. Maybe Maxi, you know. Joel, Joel was carrying the team a lot. Uh, but okay. I will say, though, is that Maxi definitely can develop into a guard. I, I don't understand these people that are, like, out on Maxi, like, ever developing that. Like, again, he's 22 years old. He has been through drama. He's been through three years of the playoffs. And he has literally, you know, improved so much year over year incrementally. So, you know, what Tyrese Maxey can be when he's 26, 27 is, you know, could be astronomical. I would not give up on Maxey, and I think he will develop into that guard. And, you know, just thinking about what he has added to his game already, I think he's going to be amazing. 
but I think you need to pair somebody else next to Maxi to have with Joel Embiid as well. I don't know if Maxi can, you know, game one take over and have 12 assists. I think maybe like a veteran point guard may help in a way. Yeah, veteran point guard. Yeah, a, a veteran point guard um, would help. Because uh, I'm, I'm saying, does do, like do you need do you do you necessarily need a traditional style like floor general kind of pick and roll maestro point guard with Joel Embiid? You know what I mean? Couldn't you just have more of like a Jamal Murray type of player who's just a bucket and you run the whole game? They run the whole game through Joel anyway. I know Harden obviously is a is a is an amazing facilitator and he would get 13, 14, 15 assists in a game. But, you know, Maxi dropping 27 and five assists. And, uh, you know, I'm just saying maybe you can just put the right players around Joel and you don't really have to run the traditional half court, you know, point guard runs the show type of thing. No, I agree with that. I, I think, you know, for example, you look at the Denver Nuggets, like they run Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. Obviously, Maxi's not at that level yet, but maybe he can develop that chemistry and get to that point. And, I mean, something that I called for a lot last year was Maxi and Embiid pick and roll. We never saw it. Maxi was always hidden in the shadows. And it's like you have a lot more in your arsenal that you could use. We saw the flashes of it. We just never saw the consistency, especially in the volume. So I think Maxi and Embiid could honestly, you know, develop into a much more lethal pairing. But again, you have to have the right fits around. What do the Nuggets have? They have KCP spotting up in the corner. They have Michael Porter Jr. who can put it on the floor defend a little bit or hit a three. And then you got a tough as nails rebounder in Aaron Gordon, which Tobias is not. So it's like you need to have those better surrounding cast pieces if you want to go with that duo. And I just don't think the Sixers have that right now. Yeah. So um Tobias is is our uh Michael Porter Jr. And PJ Tucker is our Aaron Gordon. And <laughs> who's our KCP? At that point, start Pat Bev. Start him at the at the one. Play Maxi at the two. Oh man! At least Pat Bev's going to show some intensity. I mean, the first time that guy takes a charge, the Wells Fargo is going to erupt. Like, I can't right. wait. But again, like I think PJ Tucker is is this you know hard nosed player who plays above his technical skill set uh, because of his intensity and his effort. And now you added Pat Bev, who's kind of the same thing. And neither of them are really like doing anything you know what i mean you put these guys are going to have games where they have goose eggs across the board pj tucker did it nine nine thousand times last year already a goose egg 40 minutes goose eggs across the board like it's it's insane now we add pat bev and the same thing's going to happen i just it's crazy i think tucker could be very effective in a nick nurse system but he's going to have to you know lose about 15 pounds he's going to have to be on his game because nurse is going to have these boys running in training camp like, I don't think people are ready for it. The ball is going to be moving. Guys are going to be moving around, switching everything. They're going to have to be on, on their toes. And, you know, if you're slow, old, and unathletic, I don't think it's going to fare well for you. I think you're going to have to be in shape. And that goes for Joel as well in a Nick Nurse system. So I'm excited yeah. to see what it looks like. I wouldn't say I'm excited to see what it looks like, but I'm interested to see what it looks like. <laughs> I'm excited to see what it looks like because I feel like we finally have a coach that will get these guys on their horse. I don't think Doc Rivers did that. I don't think no, Brett Brown did that. that. I think Nick Nurse will do that. I think he'll do that, but guys like P.J. Tucker, like is you know, is P.J. Tucker really getting back in shape at 38? The, the thing about Tucker, though, is that he can switch everything on defense, like if he really wants to. 
It, I mean, I don't feel like Tucker is into it as much in November, maybe for the play-in tournament now, but T- Tucker doesn't care, right? We saw it come out in the playoffs, though, a little bit. Like yeah. We saw that in you know intensity, that er side of him come out in, in the big moments, right? He didn't care, though, for most of the season, and I knew he was going to put up a lot of zeros, but yeah, it definitely did get frustrating at times. The fact that he wouldn't shoot got me really annoyed, and the fact that he wouldn't do anything else like, he even had a little push game from four feet away that he wouldn't use either. Like, he wouldn't do anything. Well, that just tells me that they didn't practice because some a lot of times he caught the ball in the corner and he looked around. Like, there was, I swear to God, he caught the ball wide open in the corner and he looked yeah. left and looked right and then passed it. And I'm like, what? That's the frustrating part. You're That's the, the corner shooter. He was one of the best corner shooters in the NBA throughout his whole career. Well, yeah. like 47% sometimes. Almost that was the frustrating. From, from the corner. And he's catching the ball in the corner and pump fake. And I called him pump fake PJ. Like, why are you just shoot the damn ball? But yeah, that tells me that they didn't rep there was no repetition in a practice. Doc wasn't looking at him, and there was none, there was no accountability. Doc wasn't looking at him and saying, PJ, why aren't you shooting the ball? Right. Right, right, exactly. And then again, listening to Nick Nurse talk with Maxi, he even said it right off the bat. He said, We, we do not want to be predictable on offense. Like some nights it's going to run through Joel. Some nights, Maxie, you're going to have to step up and be the guy. And he talked about the finals where Pascal Siakam had a couple games where he was the leading scorer, had the most touches just because he had the best matchup. And I think that's brilliant. And I don't think the Sixers ever did that. I think they went into every game saying, Joel and James, you're going to get yours. Maxie, you might be involved. And Tobias, don't even think about it. And, you know, Tucker's sat in the corner. So, I think with Nick Nurse, this team is going to look a lot more polished uh, in terms of what they're trying to do. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I definitely agree with that. Why trade Thibel for McDaniels and then not resign McDaniels? I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know. They gave up a draft pick, too. They gave up a Thibel and a second-round draft pick for Jalen McDaniels, and then he walked. That's another just very weird one. Um, But, yeah, man, uh, you know, that's the rundown of all the things that uh, came out in the past couple days, all the rumors, all of the – James wants to go. James wants uh, Daryl wants him to stay. James is like, I don't care. Uh, we have no idea what's going to happen. But uh, as we get closer to, you know, September, I don't know. August is going to be, August is just going to be brutal. I just want to disappear until at least September, um, because if nothing happens until training camp, there's just nothing for us to talk about. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> Listen, once though, once that Harden thing progresses we're gonna have a lot to talk about and once training camp hits i'm excited you know all those little training camp videos come out that's where it's yeah. really gonna come down to i'm excited for that right now i'm gonna stay watching turk smith highlights and Jaden springer and uh, springer actually did look pretty good today he looked pretty good he's developing but again he's only 20 years old um but yeah turk smith has to make the roster has to make it all right, guys, that's another episode of we don't know what we named it yet, but right now it's Sixers Talk with RB and Eastwood. We might call it Sixers Therapy Session. Um, you know, we don't know yet what we're going to call it, but uh, that's another episode with us. Run it back, Philly. RB Philly Take. Everybody hit the like button on your way out. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being active in the chat. RB, you got anything else to say? Support the show, man. Support the creators if you guys did enjoy this collab drop a an emoji drop a fire in the chat you guys can always check us out on either channel we want to keep doing this and as long as you guys continue to support we're here probably every thursday 
and we're talking it up. We're we're keeping you entertained during the off season, man, because yeah. it gets dry. It, it you know there's not a lot going on. So Definitely. summer league's going to end soon, and then we got like you said, we have some time to just chop it up and talk matchups and what we think's going to happen. It, again, I feel like it's two years ago because we're in the off season, but we can't talk about the team yet because we don't know what they're going to look like, and it's just like we're just stalling at this point. So we don't know. Well, we'll yep. see. We'll All see. right, man. We'll see you guys soon. Next Thursday, right here, 9 o'clock. Peace.